0: jet set radio (laughs) what the fuck happened there Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 80 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Secret of Mana is back. Half-Life 3 confirmed? CEX Security Breach, what it means for you and 2 million other customers. Xbox and PlayStation announced their free games for September, and our book club asks you this week to imagine a world where rollerblading was cool. It's Jetset Radio, let's start the show. This is episode 80 of Link to the Cast, from your friends at thecast.eu available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am every week by the platforming prodigy that is Mark Robinson. I think the weekend's just hit me. It's been a long one, hasn't it? Oh, man. Oh. For you, that is. <laughs> Mine was kind of simple and, and pleasant.
1: I went to bed... Uh... Five o'clock in the morning on both Sunday morning and Monday morning. And then had oh, to get up Oh, you party animal, you. Uh, then I had to get up at half six on Tuesday morning to get home. And now here's the thing. I um, I wouldn't say that I get grumpy when huh. I'm tired because I'm... Already, no, you I maintain a constant level uh, of contempt of, yeah, yeah. for existence. But what I get is quiet. Mm-hmm. And I kind of sit in a corner and I stew... And I, yeah. either one or two things will happen is I'll pass out and probably get mugged, but I'll be asleep. So I'll be fine with it. Or I, the, the loud noises, because this usually happens when I'm in a club, is the loud noises will keep me awake. And I just kind of... <laughs> On those times, oh, you know the way you're always in the club. It has happened, unfortunately. Um, Fortunately, that wasn't the case either of these two times, but I was at a wedding. So, um, yeah. you know, having to listen to a bunch of drunken people sing Wonderwall through a karaoke machine at half four in the morning. Mm-hmm. That that was not the best end to what was otherwise a very pleasant and lovely day. Um, yeah. There were two Alsatians and a peacock. What part of the world was this? This was Burr. Burry, burr. Barry double R burr I'll Tell you what, the, this was in a massive mansion, right? And there was a book mm-hmm. that I was a, It looked like about 700 pages and it was all about the county of Offaly. And I was like, there cannot be 700 pages worth. Of history of Offaly, you'd be surprised. These these counties accrue this kind of. Um... I mean, I've been through Offaly. There's not
0: <clears throat> a whole lot. There are definitely like some counties where you you could say, like, what the fuck could have possibly happened in Longford that would uh, not necessitate sure if I've been through that one? I, it's beyond you. Have you gone to the realm? The the dark void. Have you gone to Sligo yet? Uh, no. You passed through Longford on the road to Sligo. I think that's really the only way you'd pass through Longford coming through here, unless you were doing it intentionally. Which Uh, again, I don't know why you would. Is
1: Westport in County Galway or Westport's it? West. Or in Mayo? Is it? I think it's Mayo. Yeah, I think so it's Mayo. yeah, because I've been Westport and Galway are the two I've been that direction. But it was like a um the the wedding, uh, the ceremony and the the dinner and all the after events took place in the one mansion, which is really yeah. cool. because uh, I, I weddings where you kind of had like the the. It is male, by the way. Yeah, okay. You have, like, the church ceremony, and then you have to drive for an hour to wherever the venue is, and that, all of that faff. This was really mm. nice and convenient. Really, really nice mansion. Um, the ceremony took place in the front gardens, overlooking uh, this kind of forestry area and a lake. And it was very, very pretty, very nice mm-hmm. day, very nice weather. And, uh, yeah, I didn't start to watch the McGregor fight, because I was like, sleep, please. Yeah, well, like,
0: why would you stay up that late for a boring, foregone conclusion?
1: Pretty much
0: that. Um... I um I didn't do much this weekend. I went to uh, Kilkenny I've I've, I've, I've elected to, to myself and the missus have elected to start doing um we're gonna go try and hit all 32 counties on like days we we both have free um and kind of um we're gonna hit the ones near us uh first while we kind of formulate plans to go and do the wider ones because there's actually still so for those of you kind of not in the know, there are 32 counties on the island of Ireland. 26 make up the Republic of Ireland, and 6 make up Northern Ireland. Um, there's still a couple in my 28 years that I have not gotten around to yet. Okay. I don't believe I've ever been to Donegal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, have almost certainly never been to Galway. hmm um, You've never been to Galway? No, I've never been to Galway. This really? is a whole running thing with my friends. Tom has been threatening, a friend of the show, Tom Connolly, has been threatening to
1: drag me to Galway for god knows how long now we, since we were in school we should all go for a nice weekend i would I take you to that one restaurant where the lamb was as good as that lamb we had in manchester <sighs> and let me tell you friends of the show that lamb of manchester. manchester
0: oh lambchester am i right hey. let me like every time a progress wrestling show goes up in manchester i think to myself well the pendulum hotel could do it a visit <laughs> couldn't it um but yeah, we went down to um, now the Hackney thing to do. Have you been to Kilkenny yet since you've been here? I, you should go if you haven't. Point
1: it to me on a map, or give me a. a
0: it's been an hour south of here. You
1: may have driven through at most. Um. Oh wait, where? Um. No. Uh. Brian is from Castle Dermer. That's Castle, still Kildare. Uh. yeah, I think I've been to like the kind of bottom point of Killcare. Yeah, off awfully. But I uh. To well, the bottom
0: point of Kildare... This is really boring. Probably. But yeah. like right after the where he lives is Carlo okay. and then the county after that. Right yeah, that is is Kilkenny. You'd only really go to Kilkenny from here if you were going to Wexford. Right. Um but even like there's actually a quick way to go on a big main road if you just go towards Dublin and then hop on the never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, geography the, lessons. The, the, uh, Kilkenny is a is one of the kind of most intact medieval towns we still have here. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um one of the classic Anglo Norman families that established themselves in Ireland to try and bring in English rule and customs. You're welcome. Um the the butlers of Ormond settled in there. And it was actually where the bit of your history interlapsed with this when King James II, the, the Catholic king, was in exile, he came to Kilkenny for a while mm-hmm. and reinstituted Catholicism in Kilkenny. Again, you're
1: welcome.
0: <laughs> But um, the the hackney thing that everybody does there when they go there the first time is to go to Kilkenny Castle because it's this massive medieval castle. It's a cool tour. There's some really interesting stuff on it, especially if you're a bit of a history buff. Um, I have done that. I would say five or six times because it's a it's a classic school tour when you're when you're growing up if you live anywhere near Kilkenny to go to Kilkenny Castle. Mm-hmm. Did that on a school tour, and as my cousins on one side of the family have been growing up and getting to the age where they can appreciate that, I have been. Going with my grandmother as oh, chaperone, bringing them. So I yeah. have been. I could give that tour. That's how many <laughs> times I've been on it. But I went down, and there's a couple of new museums. After there's there's an old um deconsecrated church that has been turned into a um, a museum based on the the oldest surviving part of Kenny, which is called the Medieval Mile. And there's a there's a whole museum there now that only opened I think last year. So I went to that and had some goddamn good food when I was there. There's was a smokehouse called Paris, Texas that I went to. Um, served and did really did what it said in the tin. A, a the menu item said a pile of roast beef, which is what I got thinly sliced roast beef with a uh, Cajun fries, corn on the cob, and. Something I hadn't had before, smoked gravy. Yeah, you mentioned this the other day to me and I'm still Oh my god, it's just like it's just it's gravy, but another level of gravy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it happened. Like, I mean, is is it It didn't have a like a noticeably like you know there's the smoked taste you get off bacon or salmon. Usually
1: it's like a kind of woody oaky. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: There wasn't I, I couldn't detect that. I could detect that it was different from your average beef or onion gravy. Sure. But I couldn't tell you in what way. Well, you could tell me it was good. Oh, I could tell you it was good. Yeah. Got a little pot It wasn't enough. Yeah. Tell you that wasn't enough. Right. But, uh, yeah, that was a good time. But no, that's, that's about all, all I've done this week. Um,
1: Apart from playing some video games, should we talk about those? Well, one other thing I was quickly oh. going to mention. Oh! F- fucking jump ahead of the gun? Oh. Jeez. Sorry. Uh, I will just holster that bad boy yeah. again. well, I'm doing post-production, so I'll put the the drops in where I want um I watched today uh you wield that power my friend I know right like a mania um what dropped today was the newest episode of Drew Scanlon's cloth map oh yes where he went to Chernobyl yeah see now I I have a a A morbid preoccupation with the
0: concept of of
1: Chernobyl (laughs) uh like I was almost there for a moment watching this video today thinking you know what I'd do for my 30th um I mean it it, I've already done uh Auschwitz, so you know, Chernobyl's the next kind of best, worst, morbid thing to do. Um but yeah, so anyone doesn't know Juice Cannon, video producer, I think was his official role at Giant Bomb. Um
0: Something he like was associate times. video producer when Vinny was still there and then became lead video producer. Yeah. Uh the position which is now held by Jason A. Striker. Yeah, so
1: he uh he left earlier this yeah, it was this year. Early very early this year, I think. Um, Yeah, yeah, to start his own Patreon, start his own kind of video series called Cloth Map, which really, like, it's just him going around to really interesting places. Yeah, to travel on. Yeah. Um, And... I feel like me and him have kind of quite similar tastes when it comes to, like, weird, interesting places you want to go. Like, Except, and I know this will cut you deep, he has better hair than you, well, I, or anyone we will ever know will ever have. Obviously. <laughs> but he did one on Eurovision earlier this year, and then, yeah, the one he dropped today was about Chernobyl. Um,
0: he did the one on um, uh, the nuclear silo in the Ukraine
1: as yeah, well. Yeah, I haven't that watched that great. one yet. That's I really to, good. I need to watch that one. Uh, I think because... Um, um, I actually have, have that bookmark to use as a teaching tool. Cause That's how good it is. Eurovision was in Ukraine this year as well. So he's just been to Ukraine. Like this yeah, yeah. Way. Oh, yeah.
0: He hasn't gone on the second trip yet because yeah. he watches his updates. I think he announced his second trip, but I can't remember where it is.
1: Anyway. Anyway, um, I, I'm not going to explain fucking the Chernobyl disaster for anyone here, but you can go and look up about it. But it's it's super super interesting because he brings in um, comparisons from some of the video games that are based on that. You've got uh, Stalker, you have the the Piripat, um level in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare. And just kind of seeing the the level of detail, and he uses stuff as well, like post-apocalyptic games, like The Last of Us, and really talks about the detail that they get, even though the settings aren't the same, but still getting that feel of of a world, you know, that's been just kind of wiped out and uh, nature sort of taking back over, and just kind of walking around, and um, like he's got his Geiger meter with him, and he's kind of seeing where pockets of radiation pop up. Uh, and there's a <laughs> there's a funny bit, so there's actually there is um there's a hotel within the the uh, there's like two uh circular zones. there's the main one, which is where you know obviously the the uh, power plant is, and then there's kind of the next uh, outer circle which is like where there's still pockets of radiation, but it's not you know mm-hmm. tolerable levels yeah yeah, yeah uh, and so there's a hotel within that outer circle. Uh, and he was kind of, you know, there were people in, in the hotel and there's a bar and it was food. And then he's kind of sitting there in his hotel room and he's like, yeah, I just had a shower in, in Chernobyl. Yeah. And I'm playing Final Fantasy VI in Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> it's just very, very charming. Uh, but it's a really, really interesting video. It's only about half hour long. Um, I would, you know, recommend it then go and recommend to look up other stuff about Chernobyl because it's... Super, super fascinating, and uh, it's definitely on a place that I want to go. Certainly, for just going into um, Piripat and seeing that city that was only about 16 years old, Um, Mm. there's a really famous landmark which is um, a. What the hell are they called? Uh, What's the amusement? Ferris wheel uh, that was like days from opening, and that still actually seems to work where it looks at it from the video. uh, She can kind of see out around the surrounding area and yeah just just really really interesting really creepy Mm. points as well
0: yeah uh shall we now talk about video games let's do
1: that okay this is playing
0: this week hey check it out i learned the baseline from final fantasy 2 scott you are the
1: salt of the earth well thanks i meant scum of the earth thanks
0: Mark, you've got a shrug emoji on I do. the agenda here. Yeah, I haven't I mean, you know, had a wedding, so It's uh, been many Splatoon 2 for you, hasn't it? Which also, you which uh, you have already.
1: Kind yeah, of I into. I played a little bit last night for the first time with other people. Mm. Uh, so me, friend of the show, Bae lad, uh Garrett Kidney, who is uh, uh he's a good lad as well, and mm-hmm. another friend Holkamat, uh, all from Twitter, you can go find them. Uh we we all was in Discord. We was using that sir that platform because fuck because that. fuck using the <laughs> switch app uh that worked fine it's still the one massive misstep yep. for that platform yep and whoa what a misstep and it definitely highlights when you try and play with other people that that game does have a few glaring errors uh which is that if you're uh if you're like connected into a game and like you have you and three friends in this instance and we all wanted to play together. I had to wait for the next game to finish, which is fine, but there's nothing I can do in that time. I'm just stuck staring at the screen, which is kind of counting down from three minutes to to zero. Nothing else can Can't even, like, watch the game to see what they're doing. I'm just, I'm out. That's Mm -hmm. it. Um, Once I get in there, this is the thing that I find astounding. You would think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you would think if you have, like, you and three other people playing, you probably want to be on the same team.
0: This is what I, you can only do that by using
1: the the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how they get you. Just fucking. Uh, I think we played about eight or nine games. Not once where we were on the same team. It was mm-hmm. either three on one, two on two, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I just, just fucking baffling. Yeah. Truly, honestly, wholly baffling. Um, and then there's still the issues that you can't change games like with in in you know, the the waiting times or anything like that you have to come out and go back in again Nintendo just, just are just really acting like, like a
0: company that ju- that like as if they were this was just when the internet came
1: out kind of and, uh,
0: to the public
1: um, Kind of. they're really not nailing it so I mean regard. you know Splatoon 2 is still great it's still one of the better multiplayer games I'll play this year but it's just which, in spite of everything, in spite quite some of like it's, it's quite it must be
0: quite good that you, in spite of everything you still say, yeah. say that. Yeah, and
1: so the only other things I I downloaded uh, both Downwell and Just Calls Three that were on PS Plus. Um, I think mm-hmm. I've just grabbed them because I think PS Plus the the new games are out relatively soon because it's nearly September. Yeah. Um, I only fucked around with Just Calls Three for a little bit, but that's quite fun to just kind of launch your uh, cable long and fly into the air with the parachute and connect a couple of barrels together and explode them as you're driving off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much it makes just... Makes you feel like you're in your own Michael
1: Bay movie. It's very much just, here's, here's a bunch of gimmicks, fuck around. Here's
0: a bunch of stuff we designed physics for, figure out the weirdest combination. Yeah,
1: it's it's like, it's borderline on Gary's mod, but I mean, I yeah. presume there's actually a story and stuff to do, but mm. the game was still installing at the time. So I'll try and find a bit of time to play that during the week uh and then i know i've spoken about downworld before but downworld is is such a great game such yeah. a simple concept um so that is still worth looking at still really really hard um that's that's about it i'm still playing breath of the wilds um i still haven't done the fourth divine beast yet because i've been going around and doing other bits and pieces because you know that's just the thing with that game you yeah. can just 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 like what... get, You go in, right, this
0: is what I'm going to do, and you get distracted, and you'll be gone for hours. What I really do like about the game
1: um, is that you can Apart just... Apart from loads. Well, there are things that I don't like about the game as well, but that's all kind of end-of-the-year stuff. But one of the things I do like is that it doesn't just say hey here's a thing you should go and do on the map it just when you zoom zoom in on the map you can see that like the geometry is shaped in such a way that it looks like oh that looks like a point of interest i should probably go there and then that's it it kind of leaves you to say hey you should probably just kind of zoom in at the map at any kind of certain point and just go and explore you know yeah uh so that's cool um but other than that nah not got much for you so lead the way I got a couple of
0: things I want to I want to hit on. I've actually been playing a lot of new stuff this week, but I'm, I've picked out two here uh, to talk about on the show this week and I'll probably get to a a couple of them next week. I'm still getting in, into Madden and a, and a couple of other things that that dropped over the last week. Um the first one I want to talk about is Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, which has kind of like was nominally supposed to be this this small expansion uh, on Uncharted 4 but really became its own sort of beast and is now this standalone adventure that's about, like for an expansion, um, a kind of side story in the Uncharted universe, the fact that it's about, I'd say about 8 hours long is pretty good going for the, the amount of money you're paying. I think 30 or $40 is the, the retail price for this if you didn't have um, the season pass with Uncharted 4. And if you did have the, the season pass with Uncharted 4, you got it as part of it and all the, the kind of other DLC that came with Uncharted 4. Um, it is a story about uh, Chloe Fraser, who is a character from Uncharted 2 and I think 3 as well. Um, who She enlists Nadine Ross, who is the, the, the woman in Uncharted 4, the, the mercenary, um, to help her find the, the Tusk of Ganesh in India. That's kind of your your great kind of Indiana Jones MacGuffin. That's that's going on in this uh, game. Ways in which um let's talk about ways in which it's it it's it's good and it's different and, and things like that. It it is on the face of it more uncharted, and um after Uncharted Four ended and ended Nathan Drake's story in what I think was a very satisfying way, and and I think it was the best written game in the series. Um, you thought to yourself, do I really need any more uncharted? And the ways in which they've gone in uh the last legacy have said have kind of told me that yeah, I kind of did want more uncharted when it was this and it wasn't more Nathan Drake mm. um So firstly the the kind of the the the, the partnership and the camaraderie between uh, Chloe and Nadine is is pretty good. They have a decent dynamic going on kind of a what you might call a frenemy dynamic it's like there are times when they are getting on and then when the stress is really down because they're only brought together by circumstance chloe needs nadine for this operation and nadine wants her cut of the 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 the, the dosh they will get for finding this this tusk of ganesh (laughs) Um, so like when the, when the chips are down and things get a bit stressful, there are times when it seems like they may turn on each other, or abandon each other. There's an interesting dynamic there. Um, it's not like the, um, the, the Nathan Drake and Sully quip fest, which irritated you so in Uncharted 4. Yeah, It's, it's much more subtly written. There are gags in there. It's not like it's hundred percent serious all the time. There are gags in there, but they are used much more sparingly. And I think they have know, a greater hit rate because they're used sparingly. Do you know if this is the exact same team as Uncharted 4? Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. Okay. Um, as far as I'm aware, anyway. Uh, I think it might be a different project lead because this was already underway mm-hmm. okay. when Druckmann was still kind of crossing the T's, dotting the I's of Uncharted yeah, 4, but it's it's still... It's Naughty Dog. It's under the kind of, like... The thrust of the same people, anyway. But... um. So their dynamic is good. One of the ways in which it's it's different and, and in some ways better than some of the other uncharted games is that instead of um these kind of globe trotting adventures that Nathan Drake goes on, this is all one place. It's all in the kind of um, this lovely kind of um, Indian backdrop. You you start in a city and then you kind of move out to an area that's reminiscent in its openness of Madagascar. Uh, in Uncharted Four, you know that bit where you're in the the all range vehicle and you're yeah, the bit I got lost in for about half an hour. Yeah, but it's still like it's unbelievably visually striking yeah, and course. things like that. Um, it's funny because you know the way we talked about before on the show about how uh, Uncharted the original one is clearly inspired by the original Tomb Raider series and tries to take its own spin on it. The Tomb Raider reboot then is Tomb Raider, but inspired by Uncharted, which is an ins- which is yeah, inspired by itself. And then Uncharted Four is clearly Inspired by Rise of the Tomb Raider and the, the Tomb Raider reboot series, well, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy now is one of the things which is very reminiscent of, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider in particular. Is you know the way in those Uncharted games, it's it's quite even though the environments are are lovely and there's a kind of lot of locations you go to, it is quite linear.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's
0: like you're moving in narrow corridors between and then it, it, it balloons out for a combat section and then it narrows in again, balloons out again. That's kind of the structure of those levels. I mean, that's just, yeah, in general. Um, So in Uncharted The Lost Legacy, there's a kind of there's a first act that takes place in a city that's, you know, the, the other thing about this series is that there are massive, cool set pieces. So there's a there's a cool set piece at the start that takes place in this city. Um, and then you move out, and it opens out, and it proper gives you the reins at this point, Mark, and it becomes an open-world game for the entire middle third of the game. Yep. And you're in this kind of vast expanse in the the, the kind of... In, in out in the wilds of India, and you can do... It gives you the freedom, and this is kind of like what happens in rise of the tomb raider you kind of instead of corridor big action scene corridor um rise of the tomb raider moves you between semi-large open areas in which you can either follow the critical path and go through there pretty quickly or you can spend some time dicking around find the 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 challenge tombs and things like that and spend some time in there yeah and that's what's going on in here there's there's different kind of, they're not challenge teams, but there are different areas to explore around this open, um, this open, sort of open world where you can um, get these little tokens that will get you a thing. I don't want to spoil because this game is only out a week, but there are collectibles you get and I think there's 11 of them and it gets you a, a special thing, but it's entirely optional. If you follow the critical path, you can be through this open world section in less than an hour. Um, But I spent a good two to three hours in there. And I think that's a very interesting experiment for if they're going to continue doing the Uncharted games, this I think is the way to go. I love the set pieces in the Uncharted series, but I think when you're not doing a set piece, the repetition of corridor, cover shoot, corridor, cover shoot gets repetitive Mm -hmm. at times. and. As, the, as that series went on, not so much with Uncharted 1, because Uncharted 1 is about the same length as this Lost Legacy, but Uncharted 2, 3, and 4, there are sections where it does feel bloated, and it could be cut, going we could have one less set piece, or we could have a lot less of the cover shooting open areas. Um, The one thing I don't really like about it is that it, it kind of, with the characters, and with the setting, and with the the break, and only a couple of mentions early on about Drake. Um, it's kind of almost tacitly promising you this is a completely different thing. It's not going to have anything to do with the world of Nathan Drake. Not to spoil it, but that is not 100% true. The one thing I will say is that Nathan Drake does not show up in this entire game at all. That is not to say... That the world of Nathan Drake and all that comes with it does not interact with this I, world as I say, at I would, all.
1: I would be stunned if there wasn't some kind of hanging entrail trail from what's come before wasn't hanging over yeah. in this. And considering there are characters the characters in Nathan Drake's past that are yeah, involved in you know? The problem is that I think the the particular way
0: in which there's overlap I think is a little bit too much. And it comes towards the end of the game where the game, it, like it's pitching a perfect run, so like to that point, I'm really enjoying. It. I'm going, wow, this is all of what I really like about it. Mm. There is combat in it, but it, there is a, a diversity of options. Where if you don't like how the the shooting mechanics are in the game, you can turn on the auto aim. That's immediately done with. So then, kind of, um, I wouldn't say it takes all the challenge out of shooting, but it certainly takes the annoying challenge. ...of the loose uh, shooting mechanics out of it for you and makes the experience entirely more pleasant, uh, if you like the the exploring of it all. But um, yeah, I, I was just a little bit disappointed. I think they leaned a tiny bit too heavy on not wanting to make a clean, completely clean break from the, the original franchise but I really like it and I would recommend that any fan of the Uncharted series is not going to be disappointed by it. I think they're going to really really enjoy it and it is just it's just as visually stunning as Uncharted 4 was um and on PS4 Pro it's just outstanding. Yeah. Um the other game I want to talk about is a much smaller game both in scope and budget and I imagine team size by some considerable distance. Uh, and that is a game called The Dark Side Detective. Mhm. Um Steam Yes, Steam, and I believe it's on iOS as well. Um, It is, firstly, the one thing in in researching to talk about this game uh, in detail on the uh, podcast. It's an Irish game, which I was pleasantly surprised to find out, by uh, a company which have a great name, Spooky Doorway. (laughs) <laughs> which is a, a theme that actually comes up in this game the idea of a yeah. spooky doorway i
1: mean the the irish indie scene um because i was doing a bit of research about this last year um and talking to uh, colin larkin who's the developer of uh guild of Engineering. um the and uh, like there's been a couple of game jams there's there's go away game jam there's yep, which uh, is what this came out of yep um there is there's a global game jam that happens every January, and one of the event or one of the, the locations is in Dublin, um, and I know that they've set up. I think they're setting up um, a monthly event, which was in one venue, but I think they're moving it over to Token. I think it's happening out of there now, which is yeah. the the gaming arcade bar. So Inside yeah, the in Dublin. Yeah, so the Irish indie scene is is
0: <laughs> growing. growing at a nice yeah. rate. Um, so this game, like I said, comes from a company called Spooky Doorway, and it is a it's a, it's a 2D pixel art point and click adventure game where you play a detective called Francis McQueen and you have, it's you and your partner. Officer Dooley are part of um, the, this city called Twin Lakes, reference. Um hmm, I wonder. You are part of the, the, well, you are the entirety, you two are the entirety of the dark side division of the police department who are kind of basically uh, tasked with uh investigating crimes that are have elements of the the fantastical and the the spooky about them and the the game is comprised of six case files um that you you kind of you, you do in sequence unlock uh, doing one unlocks the second one and so on uh where you have to solve a mystery um and you kind of like the the classic adventure games of old you are Interacting with people and with environments and collecting items and sometimes combining items to solve puzzles in the environment to try and solve the case. And um, like none of that is particularly groundbreaking. I really do enjoy the, the visual style, that pixel art, 2D adventure style. I very much enjoy it. Uh, I think the music in this game is is very striking. It's got, it's got a good kind of like uh, old uh, theremin inspired uh, sci-fi spooky soundtrack. But the, the thing that has me repeatedly coming back to play this game, I have got five of the six cases done now, and I got this game a couple of days ago. Um, is the writing? I think the writing is some of the best writing I have enjoyed in a video game in quite some time. And there's a thing. And I, I know you encountered it as well, Mark. Um, comedy in video games is a really, really tough thing. Yeah. Because, like, the, the old trope is that writing in video games is a little bit behind, like, on, you know, all things being equal, is a little bit behind, Say shall we say, how dense writing in literature, television, or movies are. It's still it, it, emerging as a thing that's important in video games. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of the time, um, a lot of the comedy is either just referencing other things that are funny or just other kind of elements mm. of pop culture and say, yeah. hey, here is, you know, the punchline yeah. is this is a thing that's from something yeah. else. And, and this you know? does
0: have an element of the pop culture reference to it. That is that is true. That's where some of its, its references come from. Um, but the, the problem is a lot of times when video games are really trying to be funny, they you can, they just, they drip of the insin- insincerity of kind of like, as if they're sitting beside you going, huh, huh, huh? Yeah. Isn't that funny? You get what we did there? And it just, it falls flat. But I think the writing in this game is so sharp and so funny. And like, it makes, makes references to all the, the, the right things. Like there's, um, so say that the uh, i took some screen grabs of this so that i would get uh, the the quotes right so the the fifth case takes you to a <laughs> takes you to a very reminiscent of friday the 13th a, a spooky camp beside a lake mm-hmm. where your partner who is a scout leader has disappeared and you have to try and find him so you pull up at the um the the camp which is called campsite site. And there's a sign that says, there's a sign on the, the campsite that says Jamboree inside. First here? That's odd, but I'm sure the rest will be here soon. Just settle in settle in and don't think about it ever again. Then there's another sign further on that reads Park your automobile here, then throw the keys away. You won't need them with all the fun we're going to have at the jamboree. No other motives, honest. <laughs> it's it's real kind of like it reminds me of um if people get the reference, it reminds me of... If, if Gareth Marenghi's Dark Place was a cop show, yeah, and that cop show had a video game, that, this would be it. This sounds like all the things you would enjoy. Yeah, like you, you interact with somebody who's telling you that there's a beast around the lake that you need to be wary of. Because the the lake that's around Campsite is called a Lake Monster. And you inquire... Is that because there's a monster there, and the woman starts telling you about the monster, and he asks you, "Could you describe the monster so that I could notice it if I see one?" And she says, what is it?" She replies, "It stands well over a certain height, tall, and weighs an amount. You can be sure of that. Uh, it's this kind of like there's a very dry, very kind of for- there's there's a great scene in, um in the first case where you're investigating a kind of room and you're you're looking at the you point and click at the table and chairs because you point and click." Um, at different interactable things in the room and either you might pick up an item or it will lead to some dialogue between you and your partner or you and the other person that's in the room that will develop a bit more. You might figure out what you're supposed to be doing. So you click on a table and chairs and Duly your partner says, this is very suspicious. And you say, well, what's that? And it's like, well, this is a full set of table and chairs and there's there's only three chairs around the table. Isn't that curious? And you go, well, the other two are off camera. Hmm. Like it's, it's that kind of like, it, like I'm probably selling it a bit short here. It's hard. To, again, one of the things that's tough about comedy is trying to describe something that's funny to somebody without yeah, giving the farm it, away and you not being in the thrust of yeah, experiencing yeah, yeah. it. Um, but I'll read some of the description from the, the website here. They could probably do a better job than I can of explaining it. Uh, this is a description of the game. And I, this is thorough. This is. Not only thoroughly recommended for me, but I think Dark Horse were one of my favourite games I've played all year. Where cultists crawl, where demons dwell, where the occult... occults? You'll find Detective Francis McQueen, the sole member of criminally underfunded Dark Side Division. When evil darkens the doorsteps of Twin Lake City, hell, even when it just loiters around shopfronts or hangs out in shady alleyways, he's there, ready to investigate the cases that nobody else will. He is the Darkside Detective. The Dark Side Detective is a classic point and click adventure game with a distinct sense of humor. It's being developed for PC and Mac and is set to be released this year and it has just like it only came out, I would say, about 3 or 4 weeks ago, I think. Uh came out of the the Galway Game Jam in in 2014. Um this is a like it's a bizarre little game. It's only about a, it's only about tenner on Steam um for about what I would say is 6 to 8 hours depending on how slowly you want to crawl through it you could probably bash through it in less if you were just kind of really hammering through things and not taking in all the lines of dialogue you could possibly enjoy i don't know what would be the point if you weren't if you were doing it that way but uh, a very very enjoyable game that I, I really really have a soft spot for um to the extent where i, I I'm, I'm contemplating writing something about it because it is the rare case of actually nailing tone of something comedic in a video game which is very very hard to do intentionally a lot of games nail the unintentional comedy very frequently Um, but yeah dark side detective on steam check it out Uh, shall we talk about the news let's do that to do This was a curious one Mark, to start off our, our week's worth of news. Were you a secret of Mana fan? Back uh, on the SNES. No,
1: I feel like at some point we're going to have to get friend of the show Brian Rose on to talk about that because it was yeah, one that, a big secret of Mana. Cuz I never played JRPGs uh, of the mm. SNES era, so but I hear it's good. It's like there's the trifixer on the SNES of like any of the Final Fantasy game or Final Fantasy 6, uh Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger, but only of those have I played FF6.
0: The Secret of Mana is it coming to the SNES Classic? Uh,
1: I'm not sure. Have a look I, there. I think, well, it, I... I think
0: it is, actually. I will check because I know uh, Chrono Trigger isn't and that was a big kind of yeah I, f- from everybody.
1: I feel like I remember reading videos, but, uh, but the stories
0: but the story here from Rolling Stone as Mark's looking that up for us is a Secret of Mana 1993 role-playing game originally released for the SNES is getting a modern revamp for PS4 PlayStation Vita and Windows PC Square Enix announced today the remaster will feature high-definition 3D graphics voiceover, upgraded gameplay and a newly arranged musical score when it hits on February 15th 2018 not too far away according to the Square Enix press release the game is listed for $40 so not a full price game on the PlayStation Store I can confirm Secret Manager's on the Snow's Mini it is yep. Okay, so if you still want your original version that's that's where to go <laughs> <laughs> if you can catch that uh, you're funny but uh, isn't yet listed on Steam where it will be sold for PC those who pre-order the game from the PlayStation Store will receive special character costumes that's a pretty cool little thing um, like you said I'm not a big jrpg guy either um but in a kind of we're still in that weird kind of gray area where people don't know what is the best and fairest way to preserve older games Mm. so that we can go back to them now without having to rig up some sort of weird outdated system and a crt monitor and all this shit so I'm, i'm a fan of having this option for people um, if they want to go and dive in, because for all I know, it may actually work out cheaper than trying to source an original SNES and a copy of yeah. I'll Secret be curious to see
1: how this turns out, though. And I mean, I've never played the the original, but there are a lot of cases where games get remastered or rejigged or whatever. Uh, and certainly for like the sixteen bit era. Mm-hmm. Uh, something always seems to get lost in translation. Like, there were the iOS ports or remakes, whatever you want to call them, of like Final Fantasy 6 uh, in particular, which is just dreadful. Um, like, the, the, the UI just looks awful and the character models look terrible. Um, so, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how this turns out. But, yeah. I, like, it might be a thing where a lot of people... Um, like me, probably not me, but a lot of people like me who have heard of this game and Earthbound or and Chrono Trigger, I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, this is a game that I'm told is very good. Maybe I should go and look at it.
0: Yeah. Were you expecting Half-Life 2 Episode 3 news in the last week, Mark? Because I could tell you, I fucking wasn't. That's for sure. At some point, I was expecting we would hear it. because You should now and never ag- really expect it. No,
1: but like every now and again, because I remember there was, um, Jesus, this was actually probably a few years ago now, there was like leaked artwork, mm-hmm. which actually plays into what we get out of the story here yeah. about some of the, the the key players. No, the the the, the locations, ah. um, because the the kind of. Principal artwork the concepts artwork that was leaked uh, had them in a kind of frozen type environment um so yeah get, get on with the story but it kind of played into that
0: yeah so this comes from Kotaku here uh, former Valve writer Mark Laidlaw has posted a fictional letter on his site that sure does read like a possible plot summary for Half-Life 2 episode 3 which we all know never uh, came out Laidlaw joined Valve in the 1990s and announced his departure from the company in January of last year In that time, he worked on the story for Half-Life 1, Half-Life 2, and both the game's episodic sequels. Uh, Earlier this evening, Laidlaw tweeted uh, a kind of uh, epistle tree, he said, and a link to his website. Uh, The link led to a letter written by Gertie Fremont and features stuff like uh, a ship called the Hyperborea and alien bad guys called the Disperate. If you swap those out for... Excuse me... Actual Half-Life names and places, Gordon Freeman, the Borealis and the Combine, etc. You've got what certainly appears to be a summary of the events that could have taken place after the end of Half-Life 2, Episode 2, Millwall 1. Whether it's a final plot outline from an attempt to actually develop episode 3, a potential storyline that was competing against others, or just some notes scribbled down on paper, we don't know. Though Laidlaw did later tweet, My website's gone down for now. I guess fanfic is popular, even a gender-swapped snapshot of a dream I had many years ago. Laidlaw's personal site has crashed in the pressure of wanting to read it, uh, this snapshot of a dream or not. Uh, But there's a version on Pastebin that has translated the original with the correct characters and locations. Um, yeah, this is a pretty good, I'm not going to get into the, if you're a Half-Life fan, you can, you can look this up and kind of, um, enjoy it or not (coughs) for yourself, um, it feels almost unfair at this point to have this kind of tantalizing look at what might have been for people who are still waiting around in the hope that Half-Life 3 will come or Half-Life 2 Episode 3 will come.
1: What has come out of this more than anything else uh, is kind of this renewed um, a kind of push to have the game be made by just anyone else. Like yeah. the, the fan, the community, uh, the modders. Like you've seen the work that um, that was done with the the Black Mesa projects, where they mm-hmm. kind of entirely remade Half Life One, but using like basically the Half Life Two engine, and um, that looks incredible. Um, I th- I think that you know we look at some of the other stuff out there. Obviously, smaller projects like the the Lara Croft Go expansion that was done by uh, outside of Square In- Square Enix, Sonic Mania. You look Sonic Mania. Um, obviously, these are very, very kind of small uh, examples. Or even if you want to say fucking Ubisoft with King of Metal. yeah, yeah, or yeah, Mario, Crois, Rabbits. yeah. Um, like, if Valve have no interest in making this, which it clearly seems, well, they're not. Well, you say that, but the thing, like the thing, one thing that it has always, uh,
0: and it's it's gotten to the kind of the root of curiosity of a lot of people, is that much like Prince when when he when he was alive. um Valve have there's there's like a vault. This has been confirmed by by people who work there, worked and worked there.
1: They are and have been making games this entire time. Oh, I would never right. for any. I would never dispute the fact that they've been making games, making so, content. So
0: somewhere sits some version in whatever state of existence somewhere be- between design doc and finished product, but not quite all the way there of a Half-Life 2 episode 3, or of a Half-Life 3. That's kind... That's... Like, there will always be that carrot on a stick, and I think that's part of what will always hold Gabe back from letting someone else do it, is the fact that we've already got a version of that. When the time is right, we'll do it as well, because he has never... And and Valve always dance around the idea of will they ever... Like, because... It serves them no purpose. If they don't intend on ever releasing another Half-Life game, it doesn't do them any good to dance around the idea when they're asked, will they ever make
1: another Half-Life game? Well, no, but I don't think that you can never just fully say no. You know? Yeah, but they don't say no. They don't
0: say we have no plans. They do a kind of...
1: No, I know. No, I know. I know. know, know.
0: They do the in-between
1: that... We're thinking about it, but you know? I, I I think that um, there's no point of just our eyes saying no, we're not working it because mm. for a start, people will still just continue to ask, you know. Yeah, you could- but there are there are diplomatic ways to say it, like m- maybe someday, but
0: we have no active plans to do it anytime soon. That kind of stuff, you know, a kind of shutting down the the suspicion that this is a project actively being worked on, which they have never really. They don't. They just don't engage. Um. And I don't want to go into like because it is a just a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories that are just completely whacked out of people assuming that Half Life Three will emerge as like an ARG for people to figure out. Oh, it's a fucking that, that was, fractions two bullshit.
1: Fucking bores me. But um... I, I, I mean, what it does do is it does confirm for me that what I figured Half Life Two Episode Three would be conceptually. Mm. Kind of matches up with what we've heard before, so yeah. like it's all very legit to me as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just kind of say like in terms of what state the game actually is in, whether it's more on design doc side or is in actual kind of well, like if it physical... is
0: anywhere, if it was anywhere along over these years, it will have to have been destroyed and rebuilt again. Oh, you of know course. what I mean? Because of that technology It can't be just kept in state. No, God no. And still look as good. Um, Part of me always. Just to close out this. And uh, not kind of stay down this this aforementioned rabbit hole. For a long time. Part of me believes that. There will come a day. Where we will get the the goodbye to Half-Life. We will get the Half-Life 3. We will get the Portal 3. Whatever that may be. I think Portal is a much more difficult one. In a lot of ways. Because I think after Portal 2. You think. What can we do with that formula again? Yeah. Whereas with Half Life Three, I don't think you have that problem as
1: much. I can guarantee what you'll get in the next Half Life game somewhere along the way is a physics-based puzzle involving a bridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there is less
0: like there, there are less constraints in some ways on what Half Life Three needs to be than there is on what Portal Three. Well, needs yeah, to be. because
1: Half Life Three, obviously, there is more. Yeah the focus more like more the, the people coming into that not expecting bigger and grand and more puzzles they just want to know what the end of that story is yeah. I, you know? I, I think there's there's very
0: much a possibility of getting one more half-life one more portal and then the other one obviously that people wanted one more left for dead um I, I think there's I, I think there's definitely a part of goodwill from valve that they probably want to do it but I you after know what? a certain amount of time I think part of the trouble is the expectations on those games are so high that the pressure to not disappoint. I reckon before any of those, we'll get a Team Fortress 3 as their answer <laughs> to Overwatch. Um, but yeah, that's that's the latest from, from Valve, sort of. Anyway, uh, moving on. Sonic Mania came out on on PC and has been experiencing a bit of controversy because our good old friend DRM has struck again this year from Eurogamer. I will just say, by the way, that the, I've just recently seen a tweet and it looks like they've patched. Out. They did, yeah, they, this morning yeah. they got rid of it. Um, but this was after a heavy amount of pressure. Let me to let you all. Uh, in on the know tell me a story tell me a tale PC gamers are review bombing Sonic Mania on Steam over what they believe to be underhanded inclusion of DRM Sonic Mania came out on Steam yesterday uh, which would have been Tuesday the 29th after a two week delay and users soon discovered the game contained the controversial DRM de novo. however there was no mention of the inclusion of DRM anywhere on Sonic Mania's Steam page DeNuvo has long been a controversial inclusion in PC titles. Critics accuse it of being a little more than malware that affects game performance. Supporters point to its solid track record of stalling release, uh, the release of game cracks, sometimes for months after launch. Sonic fans say DeNuvo makes Sonic Mania an always-online game because it needs to contact a server for authentication. Fans expected the game to be playable offline. Here's a snippet of the anger channeled in the forum, and it's just... Uh, uh, Images, then, of people review bombing.
1: Yeah, I did see one where the player said he felt violated, which is a bit strong, yeah. if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah. Like, you can say you feel cheated out of it. You can say that you feel you've been lied to. That's fine. Violated, a little bit strong. Mm-hmm. But hey, this is games game run about here. Uh, yeah, but a bit surprised like this. I mean,
0: from the developer side, you can understand why you might want to do something like DeNuvo, because you want to
1: delay your game being cracked for yeah, as long as possible. Yeah, but you'd also possible. like to be completely open and... yeah. yeah. You know, like the amount of goodwill that Sega had made in two weeks for saying that they didn't actually fucking do anything. Yeah. you know, um, you'd think that they would try and ride that wave of high, that high, and and you would think and try and keep with the goodwill and the good graces of their uh, of their fan base. But no, no, evidently not.
0: Yeah, there are two real strategies you can take with with DRM stuff, and that's either be honest if you're going to include DRM or concede the point that your game will eventually be cracked no matter what you do so you might as well just not have it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was um of all people Brian Alvarez who made the point once that mm-hmm. if people like your products, they will pay for it. You know, yeah. if someone is going to pirate something, they were never going to buy it in the first place. And I th- there is an element of truth to that. It's not entirely true, but I do think there is an element of that which is... There's definitely an element of, like, the 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 easy
0: availability of music through iTunes and Spotify has had a notable impact on the, the levels of piracy that were happening. Because yeah. you've come up with a, a, a cheap and convenient method of uh, distributing content. Netflix as well.
1: Now, artists are still screwed out of it, let's be fair. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. But, um you know what I mean like it's it, you come up with a, a fair way for people to consume their content and they will want to pay for it
1: yeah I mean I've not had to download an album via illegal means in about five years yeah so
0: um, CEX done goofed up my friend and they, they, they suffered a security breach that may affect up to 2 million customers. And uh, anyone listening there, listen in closely for this because this may affect you. Uh, UK Shop CEX recently suffered an online security breach that may affect up to 2 million of its customers. CX, which deals in second-hand video games as well as other consumer electronics, said an unauthorized third-party accessed its computer systems and some customer data was compromised. The compromised data includes personal information such as first name, surname, addresses, email addresses and phone number, and in a small number of instances, encrypted data from expired credit or debit cards. CEX stressed that it did not have any current credit card data stored in customers' accounts as it ceased storing customer credit card details in 2009. The breach affects CEX's registered website customers only. It said there's no indication uh, in-store personal membership information has been compromised. As you'd expect, CEX is working with the relevant authorities to work out who's responsible for the hack and said it's put in additional measures to fix the problem in an email to affected customers, CEX- Uh, Managing Director David Mullins apologised for the breach and the inconvenience. In the meantime, if you do have an online account with CEX, you should change your password. If you use the same password elsewhere, you should change that too. There's more of it if you go onto CEX's website. They give you advice for what you should do. I mean, it was probably the Russians. (laughs) Um, I think if you're any sort of gamer who interacts with the internet at all, which is most, if not all, these days... um, you have had to deal with password changing because of a security breach once in a while, especially if you own any sort of Sony device. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: it's almost an annual tradition of the PSN being being hacked at this point. Not quite as bad as the, the great PlayStation Network outage of 2011, but um, yeah, it's kind of... It's part of the deal, really, isn't it? Yeah. The, the online community that this shit is going to happen. Uh-huh um we
1: we do definitely take it for granted um and as someone who has in the past eight months or so uh working in an environment where you know i have to deal with players accounts and passwords and Mm -hmm. um we've had an issue or two with that kind of shit like i mean we don't have an audience of uh of four million or what was it was it four million accounts to set on there on this, yeah, Two million. Two million, Sorry, um, I don't. We, we don't have that uh, number of accounts. But you know, when you suddenly get um, fluctuated with uh, like a thousand tickets in the span of an hour, uh, yeah. in regards to accounts, you know that shit gets pretty overwhelming pretty quickly. So mm. it's not fun. It's not fun for anyone involved. The old,
0: uh, the the original model of Xbox One. Uh, has been discontinued now that the kind of the Xbox One S is out there in the wild and, and selling reasonably well and the Xbox One X is coming this Christmas. I think it was about time to put this behemoth behind the shed and put two bullets through its head. Um I I thought this was an interesting uh moment to stop and, and pause and reflect, Mark, on just the the catastrophe that, that that was a lot of this. It 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 marks a kind of end of the uh, the real uh, fumbling period for Microsoft. I don't know. I feel like we're still in there. Uh, it's not. It's not as bad as it was when that device was announced and then came out. It's not even close. Now it's just shit missing its dates, which is just standard
1: for every single platform. Ah, you say that, but. <laughs> Like, at least those games are coming out on other platforms. Uh-huh.
0: Eventually. Um,
1: yeah, it was from
0: minute one with, with Don Matrick announcing this console. It was off to a rough start when the thing came out, and it is about 30% to 40% larger than the original model of PS4. It's still bigger than, like, my. PS4 Pro which is notably larger than the original
1: PS4 is
0: still smaller
1: I'm than the to original remember, Xbox One model. what did we get in the it's, original it's about a VCR size what did we get in the original announcement that it would always be online yep um, DRM DRM yep uh, fuck what else was there because there was a few things that they backtracked on um, It didn't quickly. have.
0: it didn't have external hard drive support just your inset 500 gig hard drive and unlike the playstation with that original model you can't slip in and out the hard drive there is no way to get the hard drive out of that machine and replace it with a bigger one
1: and was there something around like the way that it it basically kind of takes over the tv oh no it doesn't have to do
0: that but the idea the marketing behind it was to get you to put your like your digital tv box through there's a hdmi in as well it. as a hdmi out that it was going to be your entertainment unit and that they mentioned the idea of it being like an entertainment hub more than they mentioned it being a games
1: console yeah and launch. so everyone and considering the- there's that video you know the hypercode of like sports, sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes that's it and considering that the xbox 360 was like pretty much like the backbone of it was on you know that kind of 18 to 30 gamer base mm-hmm. you know to then say, by the way, this isn't really a games console. It's an entertainment unit. Yeah. I guess there's a few people out there that would have been appreciative of it. But I don't know. I just feel like your kind of average gamer, yeah. quote unquote, would have been like, fuck off.
0: It does some things okay, that machine. I still think it's probably better than the PlayStation um, at having stable builds of apps. Um, the, the HUD on those Xboxes, and it carries on, I'm assuming... To the um or the UI should I say not the hood, the UI uh is just a mess. Um, that was from day one and still continues. It's a bit better now, but it's still just not as smooth, not as not as um visually appealing as the PlayStation Four. Well, I which it... uh, PlayStation Four made leaps and bound because African Cross Media bar on PS3. All the PS3 oh, three, yeah. it was just trash. But
1: it's just like windows in general since they've gone to this new kind of well windowed format i just yeah. don't i don't get on board with it at all yeah the idea of snapping
0: um a lot of stuff with it that it doesn't automatically do your downloads like um the playstation 4 does so like anything that's on your front page on the playstation 4 will automatically update if there's an update available mm. a patch uh, whereas xbox won't tell you until you start the app yeah so you're oh, right, going to watch a bit of Netflix, you go, nope, you're not going to yet, you're going to watch this progress bar. Or oh, I'm going to play a bit of Tomb Raider, oh no sir, you are not, there is going to be a couple of gigs worth of downloads you have to watch. Yeah, that's... Uh... Tick down. Um, so hopefully this is a kind of metaphorical burial of that, and now they just have the standard uh, problems that a lot of platform holders have with getting shit to hit its date. Um, the real problem now is less with the hardware and more with the, the first-party studio organization with, with Xbox. But, um, yeah, R.I.P. Giant VCR. Here's the thing, talking about um, exclusives and stuff coming out on consoles, uh, did you know, Mark, that Uncharted The Lost Legacy is the sixth PlayStation 4 exclusive to top the UK charts this year? More importantly, but, the Bandicoot is finally off that fucking top spot. Indeed, well, for now. For now. But yeah. uh, it's interesting, like, because you wouldn't necessarily have thought that there was that many exclusives out on the PS4 this year. I know we have, whoa, we have um, the Bandicoot, we had Horizon Zero Dawn, we had a technical error. Are you right there? Yes,
1: and we're back. <laughs> I'm leaving it all in. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, the microphone nearly yeah, went astray so what there. what was it? Horizon, um, Crash, now.
0: So it's Horizon, Crash, Persona Five, the oh, of Wipeout course. Omega Collection, and Final Fantasy Twelve. Wipeout was number one. Yes. Ah. Uh, this is
1: the UK charts. It does bear yeah. saying, not, and obviously it goes without saying that digital sales are not included. So. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, see, it's cool, like, with all this sort of stuff, but... um Because the one that has really had me intrigued is Sonic Mania, and, you know, unless Sega decide to publish what the the sales figures were... uh We will never know. We will never know. Yeah. So, I I kind of, like... We'll get it, like,
0: in a couple of months, we'll get a Nebulas. We were happy with it, or yeah, we were yeah. not happy with it. Yeah,
1: by the way, we just laid off, you know... <laughs> we were happy with it. Don't mind all these layoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so like I I kind of only pay half attention now to to sales figures. Like it's still nice to see like a general idea of how a game's done, but mm. I just I mean I I'm still usually buying games physically, but you know digital sales are obviously the way forward so the vast vast majority of games i have on playstation 4 yeah uh, like i mean i've all the games i've bought on switch so far like most of them are like on the the marketplace on on Mm. the eShop only um but most of mine on that are actually physical or maybe about half and a half Well, I've been mainly buying a lot of the smaller games, so like the only things I'll have will be Breath of the Wild and then Kingdom Battle. And yeah, the only the only sort of smaller game that I bought
0: physically was Puyo Puyo Tetris. Yeah, Um, because I kind of bought that on a whim, having not realised it was out. Um, But yeah, um, goes to show that still, in spite of what some parties do believe, uh, exclusives do still matter to a certain extent. Um, Well, I tell you what, it certainly matters for Nintendo because. It gets a little bit sparse if they don't have their first-party stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, here's the thing with the PS4 is they have the the platform, they have the gamer base. Mm -hmm. The exclusives, you know, they have enough players out there where they can basically hit the top spot with relative ease. So, you know, more power to them.
0: Yeah. Um, Moving on. Speaking of the Switch, by the way, and Nintendo. Um. This is a cool. Uh, gaming peripheral manufacturer AMDISI AMD um, has successfully kickstarted a Switch case that extends the handheld's battery life and replaces the need for a bulky dock. Uh, the Pelda Pro case offers you an additional four and a half hours playtime um, in their battery, which straps onto the back of your Nintendo Switch. Better yet, it includes a HDMI port so you can plug the switch directly into the TV without the need for a bulky dock. There's also a simpler version that doesn't include the HDMI port, simply called the Pelda. The budget model um, doesn't offer quite the power, but it's expected to boost your... no, it is, actually, sorry, a more powerful battery that is expected to boost your game by up to six hours. Uh, both cases come with a couple of slots to hold extra games, along with a much stronger kickstand and two USB ports for additional charging options. Um, I think this is really cool. Like, if Nintendo aren't going to go do it themselves, um, it's pretty cool that this option exists out there. I like the idea of, um, if you watch the, the Kickstarter video, it's quite a... As far as these kind of battery packs that strap onto the back of a Switch go, it's it's quite it's relatively compact.
1: Well, here's the thing, like because we always with anything um, when it comes to games consoles, like you always get third-party peripherals that will come out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and nine times out of ten, it's just hey, here's a different take on the controller. Like, do you remember all the fucking different? uh ps1 and n64 third-party controllers because i had a couple of different n64 controllers that weren't like the fisher one Mm -hmm. and they were all varying degrees of awful yeah uh and i had i I had one ps1 controller which was third party that i had just because it had the um the uh, auto press button on it yeah and so you know that kind of broke international track and field (laughs) quite severely so but this is great i mean Nintendo are going to have to, at some point, come out with something to um, deal with the fact that the the Switch battery life is, is kind of poor, yeah. um, and if they don't bother doing it, which... Yeah, this is Nintendo, so it wouldn't surprise me. Then uh, I'm not surprised that someone else has come along. They're still riding high; they don't have to
0: appease people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not... uh,
1: this week, uh, Splatoon two passed a million sales. It did, indeed, indeed. Uh, so yeah, I'm not surprised that someone else has come along and said, "Hey, look, if they can going to fucking do it, we'll do it and make some money out of this." So more power to them. Mm, indeed. Um,
0: moving on now. Uh, to our kind of, uh, here's the free junk you're getting next month section of the show. Uh, in the kind of the, the couple of days before we went to air, we found out what our Xbox Live Games with Gold are going to be for September and what our PlayStation Plus games are going to be for September. Um, so for Games with Gold, we have got Forza 5, Free, which I very much, very much recommend people get on board with. Um, Battlefield Three and Hydro Thunder Hurricane, which is a fun thing to say out loud. Um, so that's it. That's a decent month there from them. Um, I think Forza Five, because uh, Forza Six is out this year, isn't it? It's not Horizon this year. It's actually Forza Six. I no think. idea. I totally. um, so that's a pretty good little package there. Um, they they consistently do a pretty good job of those the, those games with gold. I haven't got much else. Exactly. They haven't got much coming out new, <laughs> so they might as well. Um, and then on PlayStation Plus, the thing that's really kind of uh, leading it here um, for PS4 is Infamous Second Son, which is a very, very good game. So I've never played an inf- Infamous game before. Mm, it's not the best one of the three of them. I, th- yeah. I still think Infamous 2 is probably the best. But Infamous 3, or Infamous Second Son, which is the third one, is um, it's pretty damn good. I really enjoyed it. I got Platinum. It's know, a free game. I'll take it. It's free game. Um, it's a cool kind of superhero sort of thing going on um it's been a, what nearly three years since i played that game that was like the first it was the first big first party game that came out after that lot of launch games i think like the ps4 came out in october november and this came out in like january we'll say was so, it ps4 exclusive or yes it's sucker punch it's first party no but was it on ps3 and ps4 yeah uh, i don't think so no okay um. So that's coming out. To, uh, infamous. Oh, we've also got rigs. Do you Remember the the thing that we're trying really hard uh, when PSVR launched to make as an eSport, the kind of arena thing. You might, if you looked at the the article, you might recognize from the, the screenshot that's in here. Sounds like something I would completely forget after seeing it. But it's 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 a good idea that people who spent all that money on those headsets which are getting heavily discounted from this month I think they're taking $60 off the price of the bundles.
1: oh the VR headsets yeah yeah ah,
0: okay Um, but the idea that you know you've spent this outlay here's a free game is a pretty decent you know make piece for the fact that that's apparently not a very <laughs> robust headset as yeah. far as they go I still think it's um the, the Vive is still the one that people say is the best isn't it i Pilot. I think that's the one that people... VR is just not my strong point. Indeed, indeed. Um, so for a PS4 for the month, just to do the, the full rundown here before we wrap up, um, PS4's Infamous Second Son, Strike Vector X, and Riggs Mechanized Combat League. PlayStation 3, uh, you get Monster Jam Battlegrounds and Hustle Kings. If you are one of the, the few members of Vita Island, you get Hue and Skyforce Anniversary. Um... Mark for the final part of the news. I'm going to hand over to you as we talk about the release date roundup.
1: Yo. Uh, Yo, yo, yo. What up, boy? It's your boy, Marky Robbs. M. Rizzle. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Nintendo had their Nindies showcase today. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was only about 10, 15 minutes long and they just basically went, here is a bunch a of fucking games. Big old sizzle reel. This for all of you haters out there saying the Switch ain't got no games. Yeah, have some of this. <laughs> so I'll give you just, uh, some of the, the kind of more, uh, noteworthy games. Uh, Super Meat Boy Forever, uh, which mm. is, it, it is a sequel as far as I'm aware um it's not just like a kind of re it's not a, an ex version no like no a... no uh that's out in 2018 which will be around about the time that i probably break my switch in half most likely <laughs> uh shovel knight king of cards speaking of which isn't binding of isaac out soon on switch mm-hmm. uh shovel knight king of cards which is uh i think it's like a, like a prequel or an expansion of the Shovel Knight universe. Uh, I'd really just like the original Shovel Knight and Switch. That would do me great, because I fucking love Shovel Knight. Uh, Golf Story, which looks to be very much in the same vein as the Mario Golf Advance game. This one you have circled in the I have this one circled in, because that was... It's Basically, it's golf, but it's like a top-down RPG. (laughs) <laughs> golf! It ain't your daddy's golf It is not, it is not your daddy's golf uh, That looks really pretty uh, Floor Kids Which I was watching it and the person was explaining it to me And I still didn't have no, no idea what the fuck it was I would recommend you have a look at that one Because mm-hmm. it looks super super interesting uh, Kentucky Route Zero Is coming to Switch with the final episode installed as well That's a game I've always been interested in but not actually got around to playing mm-hmm. uh, So that's uh, so far um, so some of these are 2018, some of these are late 2017, so they're all kind of coming out, I think, all around the same six-month period. Yeah. Uh, Polybridge looks like something which will be fun for about five minutes. I don't know if it has any kind of lasting legs It looks very kind of physics-based. Oh, is that the one where you build bridges? Build bridges, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've seen people playing that. Yeah, it looks... It's c- fun to watch people be bad at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, SteamWorld Dig 2 uh, is out September 21st uh what else have we got i don't really know what it is but it's called yellow and the celestial elephants which you it's know it's a great name it's a great name that's our october 12th uh there's a game called morphe's law <laughs> right i don't know what that is but again good name it's a great name uh sausage sports club speaking of great names <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is. Do you think it was like they got a certain amount into the presentation and just started ad libbing names of games that don't really exist? Possibly. And then the that's actually a panel at PAX this weekend. Pat Bear of uh, 404ing it is doing a panel where it's like fake video game pitches. Okay. So people have to improv. He makes up the name of a game, and they have to improv a sales pitch for it. What the game's about based on the name. That sounds amazing. I am looking forward to seeing that on YouTube at what some was, point. What was
1: that old uh, TV show where they had to... It was basically... Whose improv, Line Is It Anyway? Whose Line Is It Anyway? Fucking love that show. Yeah, it's back. It came back like a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Aisha Tyler hosts it now. It's not uh, okay, Drew Carey. Okay, Drew Carey. I went to... Um, Drew Curry. Cl- <laughs> I went to a, a comedy club show in London once, and they had... um, uh, Paul... Um, Blart Mall Cop. No. No. Um, <laughs> Paul Daniels. I was going to say Paul Merson, but that's not. Wait, like, like, yeah. From how I got into. Yeah, yeah. Paul yeah. Merson and um, fuck, I can't remember his name. Doesn't matter. Anyway, really, really good. That's a really, really good life. Very funny. The last game on the list. No more heroes. Travis strikes again. Hey um your yeah, boy so this trailer right so it starts up <laughs> so let me tell you let me tell you so there's this guy basically wearing a vader mask with a baseball bat and a wife beater goes into this trailer so what i can hear is the soundtrack from the original hotline miami mm-hmm. and travis travis touchdown is in this chair playing hotline miami before he comes around and they start you know having at it at each other from what i can see is that it's no more heroes with travis touchdown but he also kind of goes into other indie games including hotline miami i think <laughs> you're not in a very no
0: more heroes sort of way you've no idea what's going on
1: oh suda 51 you mad mad
0: bastard um i, I can't remember if you if if you mentioned it already but we also got a uh, game you're looking very much forward to in hollow night
1: oh yeah yeah so i There's see sizzle not,
0: reel of a bunch of stuff
1: so that's that and um war groove, war groove they aren't on the list i can't remember if she
0: actually if they're in the trailer or not it's um, in the, the big sizzle reel okay because that's cool. the that's the version of the Nindy's presentation i saw was the, just the just the sizzle reel yeah
1: but i think that's i i think it's just a case of that stuff that we are already aware of although we was already aware of two or three of these games i think so but hey here's the thing there are a ton of games coming out on the Nintendo Switch, and do you remember? Do you remember when we was there in March? And there are people like, ah, there'll be no games on the Switch this year. Yeah, ah. they're coming out. They are, games. They playing. are coming out thick and fast. Not a lot of kind Ew. of big. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not a lot of big kind of massive, expansive games. But there's some stuff here that will. There's definitely enough to keep you going. The connective tissue between the pole releases. And here's the thing, right? I am more than happy to buy a whole bunch of four to eight hour experiences for like 10, 20 quid on the Switch. That you carry on the bus with you, or... Oh, yeah. 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 And let's not I... forget Stardew Valley. I, you know, I'm just... At some stage. I'm not I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I am going to buy it. <laughs> but I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs>
0: on that note let's head on to the the link to cast book club which is a central feature of the podcast where we talk about an important game from the past that either we think you should pick back up again if you haven't played it in a long time or play it for the first time if you haven't already and we're going to a console we only talked about for the first time quite recently and that's the dreamcast we're going to talk about a game called jet set radio you Jet Set Radio, titled Jet Grind Radio, on the first North American release, is an action game developed by Smilebit and published by Sega for the Dreamcast in 2000. The player controls one of a gang of youths who roam the streets of Tokyoto, rollerblading and spraying graffiti while evading the authorities. It was one of the first games to use cell shaded visuals, giving it a cartoon-like appearance. Um, just to go through a little bit of the plot, Professor K, DJ of the Jet Set Radio Pirate Radio Station, broadcasts to gangs of youths who roam the streets of Tokyoto rollerblading and spraying graffiti. One skater, Beat, forms a new gang called the GGs. They compete with rival gangs for turf, the all-female love shockers in the shopping districts of shibuya the Cyborg Noise Tanks in Benton, uh, an entertainment district, and the Kaiju Poison Jam in the Kogane Dockyard. The authorities, led by Captain Oni- Onishima, mount a counteroffensive deploying riot police, tanks, and helicopters. Jet Set Radio, Mark. Um, it's definitely one of the... the. It, it came out of time, so the, the turn of the millennium. For those young whippersnappers weren't around. This was this was real kind of prime extreme sports era. Um X Games were big. horny talk was big. Um and and rollerblading was kind of almost like the red-headed stepchild of skateboarding at this time. Hey now, right,
1: in some uh, ways. Aggressive inline on the PS2, right? Indeed. Me and Jack will tell you we will tell you of some fever. And you will fe- tell
0: me a tale. Uh-huh. Piss and vinegar. No. Um, so, out of nowhere comes this game. And in an era where we're dealing with polygonal graphics and people trying to make as realistic uh, a game as possible out of the technology that was available to them at the time, on the Dreamcast, this, this game, Jet Set Radio, comes out of nowhere. Um, like a real breath of fe- fresh air I've talked before Mark about my, my admiration for the cell shading style and it, it's timelessness um, the, I, I think if I were to sum up uh, Jet Set Radio, just the whole package in a word would be cool this is one of those games you'd put in the list of like just cool games um, what's your the, the history of your interaction with Jet Set Radio haven't played it I know it. It's really You've cool. You've never sure. played Jet Set played Radio?
1: It. Nope. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm winging
0: this one. You this may be a shorter one than, than usual. Yeah.
1: Like, I'm very much aware of mm. Jet Set Radio conceptually. I think I may have actually, uh, at some point, uh, played it briefly um, on XBLA, I want to say, mm. maybe? Like, I think someone I knew had it. Oh, I can't remember. Time I, I, I know I have kind of briefly played it, but I've, I never spent a lot of time with it.
0: Yeah, Jet Set Radio is one of those it's it's a game that like it's the the video game equivalent of you know like that band that influenced a bunch of bands you like but you never really listen to the band. You know? I'm That's trying to, trying to think of a band that fits into that category. It's got like the band as well. Fairness Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I'll give you that. Um so it's got this legacy. That's one of the the reasons we're here talking about it today. Of inspiring a lot of kind of both being a real kind of kickstart to this the shell the cell shading genre. That's a tough thing to say ten times fast. Um, and the the kind of the the sort of the 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 cool soundtrack jetting around in a sort of open world sort of vibe. Um, the, the, There can be, there's strands of Jet Set's DNA in in a lot of games uh, nowadays. The one I think particularly um, that I love of late is Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive is such a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio in a lot of ways. Um, The the bones of this game uh, involve you, and actually there's a game you play very much that feels very Jet Set Radio in a lot of ways, and that's Splatoon. Yep, yep. Splatoon in its style has a lot to kind of thank Jet Set Radio for, but um, what you do for the most part in um, Jet Set Radio is kind of going around different turfs in this fake version of Tokyo. Um, you've got your collectibles, you've got your you're grinding around, doing combos with your tricks and you're graffitiing enemy turf and your Interacting with rival gangs, trying to take over their territory, and trying to stop them from taking over yours, and uh, all the while your your progress being kind of uh, your progress throughout the story being noted by this this Professor K guy. Um, It's tough to kind of um, because it's it's more an experience than a kind of oh it's this it's this gripping new and innovative gameplay experience although i will say for the
1: time it was pretty unique I t- the thing with jet set radio is again and we've had quite a few games like this recently it's the kind of game that would never see a physical release today you know no, this would be a 25 um digital release 100 percent. like this 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 sega s- would not put this out this now. on the fucking switch yeah let me tell you <laughs>
0: um so yeah, there's kind of like there's there's a big bad in this game, um, as it says in the plot here from the Wikipedia. Um, the GG's, this new gang that you form at the start of the game, are joined by skaters combo and cube, who explain that their hometown, Grind City, has been overtaken by the Rokaku, a sinister conglomerate. The GG's confront the Rokaku CEO, Goji Rokaku, atop the Rokaku building, which was a giant turntable. Goji has recovered the Devil's Contract, which is a vinyl record which reportedly has the power to summon demons which he will use to conquer the world. This game, like, that's kind of towards the the the, the back end of the game and the, where it takes a fucking left with this kind of stuff. Um, One of the things that is is very striking about this game, apart from that I think we could talk about the art style all the live long day, it does feel like you're going through this kind of this cool-ass anime or this cool-ass cartoon yep. uh, all the time. But one of the things that is absolutely crucial to Jet Set Radio, if you were ever around at the time, and I I sort of was, but sort of wasn't, I'll get to that in a second, is the soundtrack. Mm. Uh, Professor K, DJ Professor K, the guy who kind of like, his his role is kind of half DJ on the soundtrack of this uh, game and half like Basil Exposition He's going to be dipping in and out to remind you every so often of here is where we stand in terms of the, the main arc of the game. Um, the, the soundtrack to Jet Set Radio is eclectic, I think, to say the least. You're going to find, no matter what kind of music you like, with a few exceptions, you're going to find something in Jet Set Radio that you really enjoy. And put together, it's this really cool body of music this collage this kind of tapestry that just makes it feel like you're rocking through this city yourself with your own mixtape you know that kind of feeling yeah, where yeah, yeah. it's not kind of like all one theme not all one type of music it doesn't sound like just all cuts off the same album it sounds like i've put together a playlist of cool stuff that i would think would be fun to blade around a city to um, that's what Jet Set Radio is all about. It, it's 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 less about the story. I didn't find myself at the time. So, to give a little bit of background, like I said before, I, on the show, I didn't own a Dreamcast. I still have not owned a Dreamcast. And the only reason I would ever consider owning a Dreamcast is to play this. Because I'm not a Shen Shenmue guy. <laughs> not a Shenmue guy at all. As someone once famously said, it's a forklift driving simulator for assholes.
1: <laughs>
0: um... This would be, to, to play Jet Set Radio again, the way it was intended, would be the, the reason. Um, have you played so, the HG, HD release? I, I own it, because they gave it away for free on Steam last year. Did they? Yeah, and I got it. We reported it on the show it might have been still, when you were still in China. But they the Sega Legacy Collection, which part of which is Jet Set Radio. Well, it had to have been within like the first four weeks of the year, so... There was... Um, there was, like, Golden Axe and a few other Sega games just went on Steam for free.
1: Oh, I think I do remember that, actually,
0: yeah. yeah. And I, I, so I have Jet Set Radio. I just haven't kicked it out on the, the PC. I, I kept meaning to this week, but just other games coming out kind of ran into it. So this is going off very old memories, which is why I'm, I'm a little bit kind of shady on some of the details. But my cousin... W- would you say so
1: shady? Hey. Hey.
0: My cousin, who lived around the corner from where we are now own a Dreamcast he's the guy who I think I spoke about on the show before has this obsession with buying if he buys hardware or software in a game will buy two versions of it one of which will never be opened Um I do remember he was, that he was not too long ago shut down by eBay because he tried to sell off a bunch of his stuff and they thought he was running some sort yeah, of illegal yeah, business yeah. Um, I played it in his house that's where I played Jet Set Radio and it was kind of a because I was at an age 2000 I was still in primary school uh, it was. I was at an age where plot in video games was not something I had been educated to care about. So it was kind of, Dave's home from school, he's done his homework. My, my auntie, his mother, used to mind me, so he's like, right, he's done his homework. Let him pop on the Dreamcast, bop away at Jet Set Radio for an hour or so. Um, so that's, I just have memories of cool music and jetting and this thing. Like, you can imagine a child at the time getting basically an interactive cartoon Mm. because as great as super mario 64 and a lot of games from that polygonal era were they didn't feel like a living breathing cartoon that you were moving through yourself it's still kind of mind-blowing like it nowadays when the likes of nino cooney are coming out and you're like how the fuck or breath of the wild coming out and looking like a studio ghibli film yeah and that kind of shit um it's still mind blowing to me but um yeah it's it's really I, I don't know where else to to really go from here it's because again it's it's more about the experience than the plot there's not really a plot to dissect. well
1: how does it compare to because you mentioned this at the start uh like the big uh, extreme sports game of the time was tony hawks which yeah. now not being a serious game by any means but at least visibly looks more realistic than jet set radio Uh, also yeah one of the the big differences
0: between the two i would say if we're going to start talking about that is um tony hawk the, the 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 onus and the pressure is on combos and getting points through doing different tricks that's not as important in jet set radio that's part of it kind of like in the way You've played a little bit of Sunset Overdrive, or at least watch me play some Sunset Overdrive. Bravely, haven't you? Yeah. So the the idea there is you gotta keep moving. Keeping move like moving around is not the core component of that game, but staying moving is what enables you to um kind of move through combat better and, and different things. Mm. So in Jet Set Radio, the thrust of it is to take over territory to graffiti and other people's territory to kind of there are these side quests where you will chase down members of an opposing gang and you have to tag them with your graffiti ten times those are fucking oh my god they're so fucking annoyingly <laughs> difficult because you'll get three guys from an opposing gang they will move off in different directions they move at the same speed as you so you need to be flawless in your traversal of grind rails and things like that to make sure you keep pace with them and even then it's it's tough to get the tag on them um, you have to manoeuvre yourself very well so getting your combos doing your tricks isn't as important but it is a facet of what you're supposed to do in this as opposed to tony hawks where that is pretty much your bread and butter sure um the other thing i will say the one of the downsides that i was going to get onto eventually and, and thankfully you've reminded me of this is that and it's probably a bit indicative of the era um the controls are not as tight as you would want them to be for the things you're doing, the way you want to traverse the world. So when you're on a your grind rails, it feels great. When you're on walls, ramps on the ground, feels great. The problem is transitioning between those. If you jump into the air, you feel a lot like, and again, this is drawing from distant memory, you feel a lot like... You lose control when you go into there. You don't have the precise. Okay, if I jump with this exact amount of pressure on the jump button, I know I can pretty much guess exactly where I'm going to land on the
1: grind rail. You feel like it's a bit of a potluck when you jump. Okay, is it because um, is it anything to do with like the f- momentum? Is momentum does it feel fixed or is it you know if you go slightly slower and then speed up that you can feel that momentum moving? It's with tough it, to or? say. Like it feels. A bit like organized
0: fucking chaos. It feels like there is some sort of rule to it that you can't quite understand. Like I think part of it is down to the fact that your skates in it that are are magnetized. So when you when you kind of get within a, a certain like breathing space of the the grind rail, you just kind of snap to it. Um, but while you're in that, like I said, once you've left the ground and you're in that period, there is very much and part of it again is and again indicative of the era is that the camera the free the free moving camera not a hundred percent great sometimes so if you're moving in a tight space you're trying to maneuver the camera as you jump um you're going to find a lot of the time that you crash and burn
1: i feel like what probably doesn't help with that is the uh the dreamcast controller um no it's a uh, not
0: a an ergonomically friendly it doesn't uh it's a spaceship the of, contours spaceship of the camera uh, controller yeah. that is I don't know what they were trying to do with it, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely got um, there. There are comparisons you can definitely draw to Tony Hawk, in as much as that it's another cool game that uh, that part of the the atmosphere creates and the, the the memories that it has for people are that kind of
1: swagger the coolest fuck aesthetic the the soundtrack that's an absolute banger yeah but although one of the the key things obviously is the fact that because it's gone for that cell shady look it does stand the test of time significantly the, the, the i haven't like i said i
0: haven't played it but in researching for this i did look at screenshots of the hd version and it is crisp yeah you know There's like even a, um, the classic version doesn't need a lot to be done with it it's just that it, the images can feel a little stretched on the the kind of the the
1: 40 inch screens we're blessed enough to have nowadays I'll have to kind of a look but I'm hoping it doesn't do the thing that Nintendo did with the Wind Waker HD where the way they made the game look prettier was just to add a lot of bloom <laughs> yeah. to the like to a blinding degree at times yeah
0: um it doesn't seem like they've done that with this but that's because like the game was already so bright and poppy with color that I don't think you <sighs> And the Wind was Oh Yeah, this is true. <laughs> but I think all you really need to do is put a coat of polish and sharpen it. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. Like, this soundtrack, I just have a, a list here of the different genres, the places it hits throughout. Uh, you've got J-pop in there. I've, Time's classic. Uh, if you're going to have that going around through uh virtual Tokyo feel, you need that J-pop in there. There's hip-hop, there's funk, electronic, dance, rock, jazz, trip-hop and in the north american version there's some metal thrown in there as well yeah, right, why not be. um
1: it's just so it's is the game like is the game objective based open world mission based like what is the format it's
0: like like it's sort of open world but it is yeah there's like your your main mission is to your main kind of driving goal is kind of what do I compare it to? Not quite on the same, not even close to the same scale. But in the way in San Andreas, there's the narrative arc, mm-hmm. and then there's the turf war stuff with the yeah. gangs. That's kind of like a much more stripped back version of that. So there's your nominal goal, which is to stop this evil corporation taking over Tokyo and all the different cities and all the different territories. That's your. That's the thing you're driving towards constantly. That's. The, I'm sorry. That's by the, the way, Tokyo is just not trying at all. I know. Yeah. Um. But there's all this other kind of ancillary stuff where you're going around and you can just kind of wander around, kind of like Sunset Overdrive. I wouldn't call Sunset Overdrive an open world by any stretch because it's not this big sprawling where there's 100,000 different things to do. There's only a very set amount of things to do. Same in Jet Set Radio. There's a couple of ancillary side things like i said where you're going after the gangs tagging them in the back there's different side missions like that which are like your turf war kind of things to take over a little bit more to go and kind of find these spots in which to tag your uh tag your enemy territory or the there's collectibles along the grind rails that you can use like as kind of currency to cash in and get new tags that look cooler for your gang and and things like that. So it's not quite open world. It's kind of like dipping its toe in the water of an open world mm. game but not quite because of the the, the the era I suppose committing itself to that idea. Yeah. Okay. If I were to to kind of um, sum it up I would also say by the way Some of the the songs from that aforementioned banging soundtrack are not in the HD version, as you'll get a lot with these games. Uh when they come out in HD, the music rights have expired, so some of the music gets stripped out of it. So if you can get your hands on the original Dreamcast version, that's probably the way you want to go on that. But if not, whatever. Um if I were to sum it up, it's gonna be a really quick one here, Mark, as I can tell the energy is fading. It's late at night that we're recording this. Simply put. Play Jet Set Radio, because it is one of the coolest games you will play. It is just, just on that cool guy list of games. It is, it's a fun experience. It, It, like I said, with the exception of those kind of moments of your leap of faith into the air, it feels good when you're jetting around, kind of like Sunset Overdrive does it like I said there's a lot of strands of DNA in games you play nowadays you'll recognise different features or different ideas in different things that you've probably been playing since if you never played Jet Set Radio before and that soundtrack is a banger so play Jet Set Radio you fools Mark we got one last bit of business on the podcast that's for you to tell us
1: what the game of the week is going to be for next week let's do a 2D retro looking platformer <laughs> you yeah alright no, yeah. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, and honestly, it's probably like the best game to come out in the last, or should we say, this side of the millennium that harkens back to that early 90s feel. Certainly the Mighty NES Number era. Nine. Not Mighty Number Nine, no. <laughs> uh, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight. I had a feeling, I thought there was a glint in your eye when we mentioned
0: Shovel Knight that I had a suspicion that was gonna be coming
1: up. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I have a lot of good things to say, a lot of time for that game. And I have played that. Excellent. Yes. Good. On Vita, I have it. Yeah, on Vita. Yeah. What
0: I played on Wii U, that's my version. So uh, that's gonna do it for episode eighty of link to the cast this podcast is available on soundcloud itunes and most podcast platforms just search for link to the cast give us a subscribe a rating a review it all helps us with that search engine optimization it helps get us out to the masses so we can get us out to the masses share this podcast with people you know help us out there get a few more people hooked on that uh that, that kool-aid that we're brewing over here at linked to the cast the website is linked that's where you can find like the show notes and things like that and sometimes we write pieces they're all up there if you want to get in touch with us link to the cast at gmail.com is the email address but it's more reliable to contact us through social media and follow us on there for our updates on uh latest content facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on twitter individually i'm at dave ryan iv and mark is at lithium project uh, sometimes we stream videos over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and archive later on youtube just search for link to the cast all one word or separately whichever way you want uh, our video schedule generally speaking we have not been with it the last couple of weeks life gets in the way and internet sometimes gets in the way but generally speaking mark on mondays is what we do on mondays is mark solo stream where he's playing stuff mark what were you playing
1: most recently and what do you plan to play uh, well, I was doing wedding stuff this weekend and over on Monday, so that, cro- that, that got in the way. But I think I will either have a look at either Just Calls 3 or Down, uh, Downwell uh, this coming Monday. Because uh, I imagine there is quite a bit of fun to be had. Probably with Just Calls 3, just to mm-hmm. dick about for an hour. Explosions. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Wednesday is Retro Corner 64, that series where we are playing chronologically. Every single Nintendo 64 game. There's a thing I can do right now as you're talking. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if we have any banked still. Well, yeah, we do. Oh, do we? Yeah. Um... That comes out every Wednesday, and even when we haven't been releasing the last couple of weeks, there is uh, still a, a hefty archive of them already built up over on our YouTube channel. Thursday is the day this podcast comes out. It's the only thing that comes out. By on the Thursday. way, have you
1: have you seen that they've uh, changed uh, YouTube? Or they've? I have. have they, yeah, it, I don't like it. It looks fucking trash. I don't like it.
0: Um, Thursday is the podcast, comes out. it's the only thing that comes out that day, an hour and a half, two hours of enjoyment for you, I think that's uh, plenty for a Thursday, and then Friday is Friday of Plays, my solo series, and we're entering the last two parts, the, the the penultimate episode this week of Friday of Plays, Oxenfree, as I mentioned earlier on the show, it's coming to Games with Gold this month, and you might want to check out my playthrough of it to see if that's something you definitely want to download, I think you will, because I think it's a very good game, like i said that's gonna do it for episode 80 of linked to the cast i've been dave ryan he's been mark robinson it's late i'm hungry let's go time to die